Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love, and right now is no exception. We've heard you listeners and know you're counting on us to keep the baking conversation going strong, even in uncertain times, so that's what we intend to do. In today's short and sweet bonus episode, we'll wrap up the month by awarding a blue ribbon to the Japanese dessert that we love the most. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Andrea, as usual, we're having a great time interacting with our listeners over on our Facebook listeners group, and we've had a lot of fun posting questions about favorites and different topics over the last several months, actually, and I think that you wanted to take a bit of a dive into a question that was posed recently. I do. I think it's a really fun way for new listeners, especially, to sort of dip their toe in on our yes. Facebook conversation. Some people tell me that they've lurked for a long time and now they're finally a first-time poster and they were, oh. you know, waiting for, you know, a bake-along or something before they felt like they had something big enough to yeah. post about. No, no, no. Oh, Don't yeah. wait. Just jump right in. And I loved this question we posed a couple of weeks ago, and that was, what recipe can you bake by memory? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so many great answers there. And my particular answer was pie crust. And I really didn't mm-hmm. even yep. think twice about it. You know, I know my pie crust recipe, and I yep. do it all the time. So that's one where I don't have to pull my recipe out. But last night, I decided to make my family a fruit crisp. And I thought to myself, I don't need to look at a recipe for this. And I was sort of patting myself on the back thinking, oh, it's not just pie crust. It's also a fruit crisp that I can make by memory. So (laughs) I've got two, actually. Right. Oh, aren't I fancy? (laughs) So I took my fruit and I chopped it all up and I sprinkled a little bit of sugar on it. And then I had my topping already made in the freezer. So I mean, that's a bit of a cheat. Of course, you don't have to look at a recipe when you've already got your topping made. (laughs) And I assembled those, and at the last minute, I did start preheating my oven, and I thought to myself, you know what, I am going to look at my recipe and just check the temperature, Mm. because I would hate it if I ended up burning these or not having the fruit cook well enough. And, well, that was a good thing, because I had set the temperature to 400, and my recipe Mm -hmm. is actually 375. But as I was skimming the recipe, I noticed that I forgot to put any thickener in the fruit. Oh, yeah. And so it was one of those kind of good experimental moments because I thought, well, this is just for my husband, my daughter, and myself. I'm not serving it to anyone else. I did it in the individual ramekins. So even if the fruit doesn't set up, it's all contained in one little bowl, and I'm going to serve it with a spoon, so it's going to be just fine. But Stefan, I was so surprised to see that the fruit, even though it was just fruit and sugar, it set up beautifully. It was nice and firm. I cooked it at 375 for 30 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
that just really kind of surprised me because we have so many conversations about our fruit being thick enough in our pies. And now this crisp did not have a bottom crust. And so maybe that's the big difference there. It also was in Mm. the individual ramekin instead of, you know, a nine-inch pie plate. But I don't know. Does that surprise you as much as it surprised me that the fruit was just nice and kind of firm and gelled up quite nicely? Well, I have to ask what kind of fruit you were using. I guess that would be an important factor. Oh, okay. Well, the recipe is triple berry, but because I'm extra, I did quadruple berry. So I had (laughs) strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, and raspberries. And were they frozen or were they fresh? They were all fresh, and they were all a little bit on the dying side. Like, that's the main reason I decided to make them is because I thought, these are really not even pretty enough to serve (laughs) in an uncooked state. Right. Right. It's a great way to use up that fruit that's just kind of past its prime. Yes. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't be as surprised if it – I wonder what the pectin level of those fruits is. Are Mm -hmm. they naturally high in pectin? You know, like an apple or something would be and might not be quite as liquidy. Andrea, what I have been baking just forever now is stewed rhubarb. You guys Mm. know I just absolutely love rhubarb. And that, of course, is really, really liquidy. And I've been playing around with my thickener on that. I've been going between cornstarch and flour, and I've kind of hit on the correct ratio. So I've kind of been having the other issue with my baked fruit, which is I'm needing a lot. So I wonder if it's just a combination of those berries, if it, yeah, something about them, maybe they just weren't quite as juicy, but it sounds like it worked out and was delicious without the thickener. Yeah, the great thing is that it worked and it was delicious and it was Mm. nice and firm. I did think later that I think I'm one of those people that still needs to glance at the recipe even when I think I know it because (laughs) – Yeah, yeah. I realized like, oh, you know, I think it would have been – for example, really good if I had put just a touch of salt into the berries just to kind of bring out that flavor a little bit more and maybe a little bit of lemon. I don't know. Yeah. And mine is a banana chocolate chip muffin that I make regularly for my kids. And Mm -hmm. the thing that's really hard about remembering that recipe is the sugar, which sounds really common sense. Of course, it's a sweeter muffin. You're going to want sugar. But the reason that it always The reason I always forget it is it's not necessarily what I think of as a dry ingredient because usually when I'm baking, the sugar Mm. goes with the butter, right? Right. Like you're creaming the butter and the sugar together. And so it's kind of this middle line between your dry and your wet. But in this case, it goes into the dry and I always seem to have to remind myself of that one to the point where I've made the entire batch of batter and been like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. When you taste it, I'm like, were these bananas just not very ripe and not sweet enough? Oh, wait, I forgot the sugar. So yeah, it's so interesting how your memory works with those recipes that you make all the time and what you can then just, just you know, forget out of, you know, no, no harm, no foul with your thickener or whatever it is. But yeah. Well, Stefan, your comment about making the whole recipe and forgetting the sugar is a perfect yeah. segue into our review of this week's black <laughs> sesame cookies from Just One Cookbook, the food blog that um, we talked about a little bit last week in our Japanese sweets resource roundup. Yeah. When we get to a certain point in the recipe, I will let you know what I forgot to add and how it affected <laughs> my final bake. So I'm glad to know I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who does that. 
Well, that's so funny because when we intro this recipe and I was running down the ingredients, of course, sugar is one <laughs> that I forgot to call out. <laughs> right. <laughs> that must have lodged in your head. Oh, no. Oh, oh Andrea. Goodness. Oh, I'm really sorry <laughs> to hear that because I absolutely adored these little cookies. These were little black sesame shortbread cookies. They were so lovely to make. I mentioned last week when we introduced this recipe, I loved that she had the weights and the measures. I also just loved how this was written. It was just a nice, gentle style recipe, but very detailed. Mm-hmm. Everything is there. Nicely organized recipe. And I just want to give her a shout out for that because not all recipes are, and it makes a huge difference. I had absolutely no problem putting these together. I made two squat little logs and put them in the fridge. Andrea, I decided that I wanted my sesame seeds a little more finely ground, and so I put them in the food processor um, there in step four. Did you go for chunkier or finer? Well, neither, unfortunately. So in fact, I have to back up because as much as I love this recipe and I think it's a great recipe, I had to make a major modification. We reviewed the ingredients real quickly. I want to run through them real quick. It's a stick of butter, 160 grams of all-purpose flour, 40 grams of almond meal, and 80 grams of sugar. And then a little bit of salt, just a pinch of kosher salt. So um, in the food processor, and I did use my food processor, you first combine the flour, the almond meal, the sugar, and the salt. And then Mm -hmm. in step four, she says, if you want your sesame seeds to be a fine texture, add them now. I decided I didn't want that. I wanted to see the shape of the sesame seeds. So she says, if you prefer to keep the original shape, add them with the egg yolk later on. So I made myself a mental note uh, warning, <laughs> that's not a good idea for me. <laughs> Mental notes oh, are quite often forgotten. <laughs> so then you take your butter and you mix it into your flour mixture. And this is where mm-hmm. I had a problem. So this was step five. And I use the pulse button on my food processor. I make shortbread all the time. I could not get this to come together. It was sand. So you had no problem. I should have mentioned, do you remember when we made the Samoa cookie bars back in the Roaring Twenties month? How could I forget? And basically the crust on those cookies was a shortbread. Right. And she says, optionally, you could add one to two teaspoons of water. And we both had to add some amount of that until it started to clump together. Yeah. So that's what I remembered. And that's what I did here. I added a scant, almost tablespoon of water and it came together beautifully. Okay. Gosh, this is so funny. Mm -hmm. So I thought about adding water, but (laughs) Uh, instead what I remembered was our beloved Earl Grey shortbread cookies. Yes. I went back and looked at that recipe. And in that recipe, she uses two sticks of butter. So instead of adding a tablespoon of water, I threw in another half a stick of butter. (laughs) A whole half a stick. Oh, wow. It did come together nicely after that. (laughs) I'm, I'm here to tell you. That did the trick. That did the trick. Yeah, I will say that the butter into the other mixture, I mm-hmm. had to use my pastry blender. She does suggest that if yeah. possible. And so I really acted more like I was making a pastry and okay. then added my water and it did come together okay. really nicely. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I added that extra butter. I was going to throw a whole extra stick in and I said, Andrea, hold yourself back. Start <laughs> with an extra 
four tablespoons. And so I did the four tablespoons. It came together quite nicely into a little ball. Lastly, yeah. add the egg yolk. I added that in. And unfortunately, this is where that mental note from step four should have cued me that this was the time to add yeah. my sesame seeds. <gasps> but I forgot. So even though these are black sesame <laughs> cookies. <laughs> so at this point, do you not have sugar or sesame seeds in your cookies? Oh, yeah. I did add the sugar. I added the sugar in step one, because it got, or not step one, it's step three, where it's in with the flour. But I forgot to add the sesame seeds. Okay, okay. I was confused there. I thought that you had forgotten the sugar. No, no, no. It was only you telling me you sometimes forget the sugar in your banana bread that reminded me that it cued you that you had forgotten the sesame seeds. Mm-hmm. I understand yep. now. Okay, yep. so yep. now have you formed them into the logs? I did form them into the ball and cut it in half. And I then was looking at it. And I remember thinking to myself, huh, this doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. But I didn't quite know why. And then I get to step nine, and it's all about rolling the log. And I was thinking, yeah, yeah, I remember being excited about this. And then I looked at the picture, and I was like, oh, duh. So I went to my pantry. This is part of my problem. I don't pull out all my ingredients ahead of time all the time. And that is what I need to do because I think had I seen that container of black sesame seeds sitting on the counter, I would have said, I haven't used those yet. Also, my sesame seeds aren't toasted, so I did want to toast those first. Oh, okay. So I took a little pause here and I toasted my sesame seeds and then I basically worked them into the already completed dough. So they did keep their shape. Yep. And I think they turned out just fine. But you'll see in my pictures, there's some wide swaths of dough without sesame seeds in them. And that's why. (laughs) Okay. Well, how did it affect the final taste and texture then? I thought the final taste and texture was fabulous. I cooked them in my oven. Now, I did them on two separate cookie sheets. The first round, I did 350 degrees. And I used my convection bake. I've started experimenting more with my convection convection bake setting on my oven Mm -hmm. because the other day I actually pulled out my oven manual, if you can believe it, and decided to read it. So exciting. And it's said in there that the convection bake mode is such that I don't need to adjust the temperature. So Mm -hmm. for example, if I was reading recipe that said 350 and I was using convection bake, I used to lower it to 325. Yeah, right my manual said you don't need to do this convection bake is automatically adjusted for temperature changes so you can follow your recipes as written and use convection bake and i'm here to tell ge cafe that that is a lie at least when it comes to black (laughs) sesame cookies because i cooked my first round at 350 degree convection bake and I did the quarter inch thick, and she says for about 15 minutes. So I set my timer for seven minutes, and I was going to rotate them, you know, so about halfway through. At seven minutes, when I rotated it, I could already tell that they were getting too brown on the edges. And so I lowered it to 325 then. I cooked them for another six minutes. So 13 minutes total and way too brown. Delicious, but way too brown. In fact, some of them were completely brown, which is just kind of a whole different thing. I actually thought it was kind of yummy. But round two, I did at 325 convection. I did for a total of 14 minutes. Those were perfect. Lightly brown on the edges, but still nice and non-browned on the middle. And I thought that looked really good. I thought these were absolutely delicious. Mm. I want to add a review that sounds simplistic and ridiculous, but I feel it's necessary to point out. 
Remember when we made our pignoli that was just full of almond paste and I made that comment that, boy, these really taste like almonds? Yeah. Well, with our black sesame cookies that have, I don't know, that's probably about a quarter cup to almost half a cup of black sesame seeds. Yeah. Guess what? These really taste like sesame. So I happen to like sesame. I was fine with that. But I do just want to say that if you're not a huge sesame lover, these might not be the cookie for you. But for me, my family, we love them. We thought they were great. This was a huge hit with everyone in my family. First of all, these cookies are just beautiful. And we've talked before, we have a PDF on the website that's our classy cookies. And that's definitely where this one is going. They're really, really pretty. I loved doing the slice and bake. You can just do one log and then put the other one in your freezer maybe or keep Mm -hmm. it in your fridge for a few days. I made the thicker cookies, which I like my shortbread in a thicker wedge. So Mm -hmm. I did do 175 degree I have a fan oven and that was 15 minutes and they were nice and toasted but just perfectly cooked they were not too sweet I wouldn't say they were savory but they had that nutty sesame flavor of course but also from the almond remember there's the equal amount of almond meal in here that's right they were gorgeous they were buttery I just said they're a sweet little joy and I loved them absolutely beautiful and tasty And I want to add, I think these are a great cookie for gifting. And if you look at her picture on her website, she has some of that baker's twine wrapping around the cookies. And I do think, you know, you could wrap these in parchment and give them as a gift. Boy, I mean, I can't tell you how they keep because we went through them pretty darn fast. In fact, I ended up giving about half of these to my butcher. So we were doing a little bit of a food trade. And when I walked in and put them on his counter, he said, oh, you're here to butter up your butcher, I see. And (laughs) I thought to myself, well, he doesn't know how right he is because of all the extra butter I added to these cookies. And you know, Andrea, it's a good point because I thought that if you just casually looked at these or you weren't sure what they were, you might think it was poppy seed. So if you are gifting them, you might put a little tag or just be sure to tell somebody that they are black sesame seed. I know sesame is can be an allergy, and of course they do have the almond in them as well. But I think if you just casually look, you would assume a little black fleck would be a poppy seed. That's a really good point. Yeah, especially if you added the sesame seeds in the beginning to get that finer texture. I think they would really look like poppy seeds. So really yeah, good point there. I thought there. they did. I thought they did. Well, yeah, thank you for finding this one. I absolutely loved it. And remember, we'll have a link to this recipe in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 183, on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as over in our Facebook listeners group. Andrea, it's the fifth Monday of June, and you know what that means. It is our bonus Blue Ribbon episode. Woohoo! We will each award a preheated blue ribbon to the bake we loved most this month. So to run down all of the yummies that we've made this month, in episode 180, we reviewed the Shokupan Japanese fluffy white bread from Shihoko over at the Chopstick Chronicles. Episode 181 were those delicious Japanese chocolate truffles from food blogger June over at June and Tonic. In 182, we talked about the extra tall and fluffy souffle pancakes from Stephanie at I Am A Food Blog. And in today's episode, we reviewed the delicious black sesame cookies from Nami at Just One Cookbook. So Andrea, I think I have a pretty like 99.99999% <laughs> accuracy in predicting your blue ribbon, but go ahead and tell us. 
which one gets it this month? Yeah, I don't think you're going to be surprised. The episode 180 and the Shokupan stuff. Oh, yes. It disappeared so quickly at my house. I had to hide the extra slices so that I could taste them the <laughs> next day. I did receive my Pullman loaf pan in the mail, and I have now made the bread in my loaf pan, and it's just as beautiful and just as delicious. And it's rare these days to have my daughter request something regularly. Mm -hmm. And the other day, I was going to the grocery store, and she said to me, Mom, if you're not going to make that good white bread, could you get just some regular white bread at the grocery store? And it just reminded me so much of my childhood. I remember sometimes my mother making (laughs) whole wheat bread, and I'm sure this is how my child feels about when I make sourdough. They just want plain white bread sometimes, (laughs) you know, for their bologna sandwich. And Yeah, this bread was just a huge hit in my house. I loved it. My husband loved it. So far, we've just had it either straight out of the oven or for sandwiches. Yep. I can't wait to use it in a French toast. I think that is going to be fabulous, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, or a bread pudding. I mean, I could go on. (laughs) How about you, Stefan? Where does your blue ribbon fall this month? Yeah, and you know, I had such a great time this month. We learned so much. We really stretched ourselves. I'm really proud of the fact that we did that. And and we were kind of joking throughout the month that things like the Shokupan and also the souffle pancakes, you know, probably everyone else has heard of, but that passed us by. But you know what? It's It's never too late. That's right. It was just a great month full of a lot of good variety. So I really appreciated all of that. For me, it came down to the Shokupan and then the black sesame cookies and In perhaps a bit of a dark horse, I'm going to go with the black sesame cookies that we just reviewed from Just One Cookbook. Well, I don't blame you. I I love those as well. I thought they were absolutely fabulous. I cannot deny that I love that shokupan and I ate it much too fast. But that's almost the problem with it. It's a little dangerous for me to have around. (laughs) And, you know, I just talked about how gorgeous and nutty and buttery the black sesame cookies were. I just really like having a variety of a cookie that oddly enough does not include chocolate and all of my family loves. That is a pretty rare thing and I'm willing to embrace that and take it as far as I can. So it was so much fun all month long but yeah I'm gonna go with black sesame cookies. Well I am super excited about everything we explored this month and huge thank you to all of the new chefs that we discovered and the new food blogs that we discovered and listeners thank you for joining along with us on this adventure through some Japanese sweets. Yeah, until we can take that preheated road trip to Japan, I, I hope that we've covered some some virtual air miles this month. In the meantime, I'll be watching my Netflix special and yeah. <laughs> virtually going through all of the Japanese sweet shops with Kantaro. I can't wait till that comes to the UK. Yeah. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get the sprinkles on top of this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning, and next week we're relaxing into summer with a chilled out month. As temperatures rise, we'll keep you cool. In the kitchen, that is. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please rank, review, and recommend us on your favorite platforms. Our thoughts are with you and your families and loved ones. We hope our show has provided a bit of respite when you've needed it most. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening. Be well and sweet dreams.
Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.